Hello there! It's Thursday, which means it's time once again for the best movie podcast ever. The only movie podcast to offer objective and hyperbole-free discussion of every movie in the known universe. I am your host, the podcaster with no name, Comrade, and with me as always, he's faster than a speeding bullet. Wait, hold on, I've got to get this right. He's faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. It's Anthony James. Good afternoon, good evening, good night. There is a reason for that as well. We'll get into that later. How are you doing, Anthony? Very, very good, actually. And that is very topical, uh, Mr. Conrad, because yesterday, when this video goes out, yesterday, What's News dropped, and Emmett and I discuss what if a black Superman film came out? Oh. We discuss it. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, well, um, it's also, I mean,. You know, it's it's the buzz of the town, the, the smoke on the street. Everyone's talking about it. Snyder cuts coming out in a couple of <laughs> a couple, yeah. a couple of days, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I am excited. I didn't like the Justice League movie. I don't think I'm going to like the Snyder cut, but God help me, I'm going to watch it anyway when it comes out. I agree with you. A question though for you. This is this is a question that uh, I'm sure listeners would want to know. If you're in okay. the UK, it's on Now TV. Is it actually a film or is it a, is it technically a series? Like which which one is it going to be on? Is it going to be on the, on the movie streaming or the TV streaming? I can't figure it out. Oh, I, don't, I haven't even looked into it actually. To be honest, I assumed it was just going to be available to rent on HBO Max or something via using a VPN. Um, but oh uh, yeah, I've never I've never dipped my toes into a VPN in my life. Oh, I I'm I'm VPNing all over the shop. Like that's <laughs> you know, you're not gonna you know screw your international boundaries. I'm gonna go and watch things when they release. Thank you very much. I'm probably what gonna, is, like, get- what is the legalities of VPNs? Because I always find it funny whenever like they do NordVPN things. They always say, "Do you want to watch Netflix from everywhere in the world?" I'm like. Are they, I think, are, are they not seeing this? Like, I, th- I mean, it, it, I'd like we're, we're way off topic here, guys. So bear yeah. with us. We'll get into the movies in a second, all right? Just, just hold your horses, all right, listeners. They want to hear this too. Viv, I, my, my morality, or my, my personal belief uh, as regards to VPNs is that as long as I'm paying for something, I, I, I don't think that they, they should really care. Like, you know, it's, I, I, it's just getting around archaic licensing laws, like international licensing laws. Um, so. It's um, it's it. Sorry, I've got a cat trying to jump off of my lap. We the, the the video watchers may see a cat in a moment. Um, but yeah, so that's what I tend to do, and uh, that's what I will probably do with the Snyder cut of the Justice League movie. As I say though, I didn't like the uh the original. I can't imagine it's going to be that much better. Yeah. Adding an extra hour of footage and a scene with a Joker though. Oh, is 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 uh, the Jared Leto Joker? Unfortunately, in it as well. it's Jared Leto's Joker. Yeah, so that actually <laughs> might bring the quality further down. <laughs> well, yeah. You know what? Yeah. I'm not looking forward to. Go I'm on. not looking forward to just because it's the director's cut and just because it's it's different now. I'm telling you, Conrad. There's going to be a lot of people saying they love they love this. Um, yeah. I, I can predict it already. I just want to get out before it. Jared Leto is not a good Joker. I don't care what happens after this. People are going to come out and start saying, "Oh my God! Actually, he's doing actually he's doing well." No, he's not a joke. He's not. He's not the Joker. No, no. no. I'm trying to think jo- if there's a worse Joker than Jared Leto. Actually, I don't think I've ever seen a worse Joker. He wasn't the Joker. Like the Joker's chaotic. He, you know, he was. This Joker had OCD. He was lying in his in his knives that were like perfectly ordered. Yeah. That's not. Yeah, the he Joker. had damage written across his head though. Yeah, do you yeah, understand the Do you understand the metaphor? Yeah, he um, wasn't the Joker. This, no. Um, Okay, so we're doing a movie diary this week, wherein we may talk about some DC films. You'll have to wait and see. Um, also, just wanted to say before we got, um, uh, before we dive into that, pour one out for Yafet Koto. Found out today that he sadly passed away. Um, obviously, like long-time listeners will know, I'm a big fan of Alien. He was, he was a great Parker in Alien. Probably the most badass engineer 
I've seen in many movies. The engineer slash mechanic, also great bad guy in Live and Let Die. So yeah, very sad news. Um, but wanted to get that out there. Um, I don't. Know, Anthony, did you see him in much? Alien, definitely saw him in yeah. Alien. Uh, Have you seen the Running Drive. Man? No, I haven't actually. Okay, he was he was good in the Running Man. He was like a kind of co lead. Uh, slash resistance leader in the running man which i very much enjoyed but yeah well you know i wasn't aware of his passing until you informed me but now i I sort of want to seek out and check out more of his work because um it's a sad sad day he was he was very good but uh yeah so that's that's sad but yeah we're doing a movie diary this week before we get into it uh please subscribe to our channel on youtube it's the culture cave or on podcasting apps if that is your preferred medium of consumption we are the best movie podcast ever uh give the show a like get involved in the comments and let us know what you watched this week but other than that, I'd say it's about time to talk about some movies. Let us do it. Movies. We all know what they are. We're here to talk about them once again. Don't call it a comeback. Um, I think I think it's about time you started off one of these. So I, I'm going to say, why don't, you, why don't you give us the first of your selection of movies for this week? Okay, excellent. So as you all know... Um, I'm I'm not going to start with it, but I do have a, uh, a Marvel film coming later. If, if the, the eagle-eared listeners will know which one it is, but you might not because I, I actually may, can't may... remember which one it's going to be. Now this is yeah. me exposing my lack of knowledge of the chronology of Marvel films. Is that I, can't I may or may one. not have I may or may not have skipped one. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> and Great. You know, okay. You know which one I skipped, and I'll talk about that later. But I, I don't even s- know if I do. That's the thing. Are you exposing me as a fraud here? Like I, I, I don't know. Like Iron Man Five. Is that one of them? No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I sorry. went straight from Iron Man One, skipped Iron Man Five onto Iron Man Two. You know, like yeah. that's that's not what it is. But you'll you'll find out later on. I wanted to start with a film that I actually watched today. Funny enough, um, it's fresh in my mind. But it really actually it it really it affected me in a you know when you watch a film that affects you in a positive way, but it's sort of comes about through your emotions as kind of wanting to cry um and that was sully miracle on the hudson which i believe is actually a retitle i think when it first came out it was just sully Uh, i know it's sully yeah yeah it like on on the the internet it says original title sully i think they've added miracle on the hudson because they were afraid of the title of sully being lost to time and not people not knowing what what it was okay um but anyway it's a story of chesley sully sullenberg um an American pilot who had to land his plane on the Hudson River in New York. Or the mm. question of the film is, did he have to land it? The film is caught me off guard when it began, honestly, because obviously this in 2009, this was a huge occurrence. Uh, Sully had to land the plane in the Hudson River. Every single passenger on the plane survived. First person ever to land on water in an Airbus. See- to, yeah. I don't remember this getting reported in the UK at all. And, like, the idea of a pilot landing, well, I assume, yeah, an Airbus, or like a 747 or whatever, on a river is absolutely fucking nuts, to, yeah, yeah, to it, be honest. It, it is nuts. And I'm going to be honest with you, the film is so respectful to the fact that this man did something superhuman. Yeah. Uh, it is, it's, it's, he had a double-engine failure, failure due to Canadian geese flying into the engines. Oh, those um, bloody geese. Those, it's always the geese. It's always <laughs> the geese. So they flew into the engines. It's the lo- I think it was 2,800 feet. It's the lowest ever double engine failure. Yeah. Um, so basically, the film starts with a couple of sporadic shots of it happening, but then it doesn't, it doesn't show anymore. It, do- it, doesn't, it doesn't delve into it yet. And we sort of wake up with him the, the morning after. Okay. And, and the film 
is really interesting the way it's done. Eventually, we do get the full telling of what happened, but it's done. It's punctu- The story is punctuated with these hearings by like an internal um, oversight committee that has mm. to look into did he do the right thing. Okay. Because if he's, if he's found to not have done the right thing and have to, to have reacted in the wrong way, possibly he could lose uh, his career. Um, now, obviously, in real life, all we heard in the, in the news, well, obviously, Conrad didn't hear it, he said, but all, all that was in the news were how, was how much of a hero this man was. Everyone yeah. was talking about him. He was getting interviewed by David Letterman, everything like this. But behind the scenes, in those days that followed, he was in, with, he was in internal inquiries looking into whether or not he was correct to do what he did. Um, and throughout the film, they start to run simulations which show possibly that he could have got to different airports rather than putting it into the into the into the bay. Obviously, it's been very highly uh, reported what actually happened, but it's not really been highly reported the behind the scenes stuff. So I'm not going to go mm. into spoiler territory there because it is very very interesting. Um, I will say though that having seen the film, I still believe he's a hero. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't hamper that at all for me. Yeah. Um, and and. <clears throat> It's the, the the film makes a couple. It's directed by Clint Eastwood, I might say as well. So, it's, it's Clint Eastwood likes a sort of a character driven thing. You know, he likes to focus in on a, on a character and sort of be there. And you know, if you think it's, this character is very sympathetic, it's not like Grand Grand Torino, for example, where the character yeah. is like the least sympathetic character you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> this this is like you're on Sully's side. I'll say that for the whole time. I, I think with 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 Eastwood, like the thing that the impression I get from a lot of his more recent movies or his his mm. movies based around this kind of broad subject matter is that his, if not his politics, then his general view of kind of systems of power and the media um is something that he likes to analyze in his movies so i I think in this and then later in richard jewell um although i've not actually seen sally from what i've heard of it it's very i've not seen richard jewell but i really want to yeah i mean richard jewell is very good but it's it's it sounds like a similar kind of thing where he's kind of interrogating the effect of a kind of slightly toxic media on uh the reception of someone who should kind of be considered a hero and it seems like maybe this is the same kind of thing but more centered on the sort of systems of power and bureaucracy behind the it's scenes a bu- than it's the a bureaucrat it's a bureaucratic nature of the oversight yeah. which now, if you know anything me- about clinton uh, clint eastwood and his politics doesn't yeah. it doesn't surprise you that much that that's what he's interested in but he's good at doing yeah. it yes exactly but I, I will say like he i think maybe yeah through clint eastwood's frame it possibly might become across like the, the bureaucratic nature of what's happening is like the bad guy mm-hmm. and like they should just accept that what sully said and everything went fine i actually left the film one thinking that sully was a hero but also two thinking that it was just right that it was looked into because it's an it's an airbus going into a river it yeah. has to be looked into there has yeah. to be a, a <laughs> yeah, i mean you've gotta someone's gotta someone's gotta check it all right <laughs> like, yeah, like we can't just like exactly we've got to check faith. We, we've got to check we can't just take his word for it but but this the main thing that I wanted to talk to talk about in terms of the direction and the overall sort of style of the film is that in the sequences where they sh- where they are showing what happened in terms of the plane the plane having to be ditched in the water and sort of the build up and very slow and methodical uh, showing them starting up the engines taking off I think it was two hundred eight seconds that from takeoff to to landing okay. uh, in, in the river so it wasn't very much but they showed it from different angles different perspectives a number of times and what's very interesting to me and really worked and i didn't realize it until maybe the second or third time they ran through the whole thing because they really do run through it a few times 
they didn't have any score during it. Oh, okay, it, that's it was it was there was no music. It was it was tense and it was it was almost as if you were in Sully's position and you had to really be sort of sitting there thinking on your feet too. And when mm. you really think of it like that and you look think about it, you watch the sequence and you're like, right, okay, uh, that was pretty incredible. And then you, they'd say it's 208 seconds and it felt a lot longer. Yeah. It felt a lot longer. Um, and I just really, really love the way they did that. It gives you a chance to sort of reflect upon that. The score so in general is very understated, but in those moments there is no music whatsoever. So, so is the is the plane crash itself over and done with pretty pretty early on in the movie, and it's all about the fallout. The fallout, no, no, no that's just what I mean. So, the, it sort of reveals the, the plane crash through this uh, bureaucratic process oh, okay. right. of looking into it, and as details become obviously, it does it, it, it does bear the cards up. It tells you what happened. It just doesn't yeah, show sure. you what happened until later. Um, and then at the like sort of near the near the. One of the penultimate scenes is them re- them having to listen back to the uh, to the recordings of the cockpit, uh, and then you get like sort of the final, like the <laughs> just, final just Tom Hanks being like shit, 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 yeah, yeah. shit, well, the, shit. The recordings of the cockpit can be heard. Can, you can listen to them online. The real recordings. Um, oh, okay. And uh, and that last one, you're just in the cockpit with them the whole time. Whereas the other yeah. the other ones, they were sort of choosing a few uh characters to focus on within the plane and things like showing parents being separated by kids and stuff um i will say you get a great uh great appearance by mimi siku uh from uh, jungle to jungle which we've talked about before jungle to jungle fantastic film uh <laughs> young mimi siku comes back with a vengeance and this he's a fellow who's separated from his dad um i will say like, like any plane crash film you've got to have characters that just make it there on time you know they were yeah. they were running through the airport they just Someone made it there could have missed it could have missed it <laughs> could have missed it if only for like you know they're, they're like someone was running late or something yeah and i will say as well tom hanks obviously playing a real person which he you know he, he kind of likes to do i think he said he would never do it again and then he played walt disney so um and play- uh, mr rogers <laughs> and mr rogers yeah so he plays he plays real people all the time but the thing is he's very oh, and the guy it. from bridge of spies i think that's based on a real character as well if, so if tom hanks is in it it's based on a real person tom hanks is full of shit is what we learned from, yeah, yeah. <laughs> from there but no, uh, it sounds like a re- it sounds like a really good movie actually. Mm-hmm. I, it's one that I have just missed. Um, I, uh, weirdly enough, I always get it mixed up with the uh, 2012 uh, Denzel Washington movie Flight, which seems like mm. it's almost exactly the same plot. I don't know I, if that's I, yeah. based on a real. I story, haven't seen but... Flight, and I don't know if it's based on a true story, so I don't know the the, the title of it. But I will say this to finish: if you're a fan of me- of men in their middle middle aged men slash Tom Hanks is a bit older than middle aged, but still yeah. middle aged men clinging on to those 80s mustaches in the year 2009 oh. this is the film for you both is, aaron yeah. eckhart and tom hanks have uh have big old big old mustaches going on here yeah i'm a i'm a big fan of the sullenberger mustache here just just uh <laughs> oh and yeah aaron eckhart of course i forgot that he's i'm assuming he's a he must be he's a pilot. Co- co-pilot oh, of course he's the co-pilot <laughs> like, yeah, actually, and tom hanks and aaron eckhart have really nice chemistry in this um yeah. they feel like a real team it's really like yeah they, they do a good job Okay, awesome. Well, yeah, that, that's definitely a movie that I that I would like to check out. So, um, yeah, that's a that's a glowing endorsement. Oh, yeah, I really like this. Yeah. Cool. Okay, I'm um, I'm gonna take us down. Which one shall I go for? Okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take us in a completely different direction here, um, with a movie that I I was going to see in the cinemas, um, 
it was in independent cinemas in the UK uh, early last year, and I didn't get a chance to because uh, the whole pandemic thing happened. Oh, yeah. uh, it actually came out in 2019, though, and it's on Netflix now, at least in the UK. And this is uh, Judy and Punch, um, which oh, yeah. is an Australian film. It's... it's um, I hesitate to call it a dark fantasy because it's not really a fantasy, but it's kind of well based it, on the based on the uh, on the trailer, it, it seemed like quite dark to me, isn't it? Oh, based... it, is, it is very dark. Like yeah, it's, 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 it... yeah, it seems to me basically like you know like Punch and Judy shows. Well, let's just do that, but it's actually about domestic abuse. Isn't well, it... yeah, that's essentially the, like basically it's the creators of Punch and Judy. So. Um, the uh, professor punch is his, is his stage name um i didn't actually write down what his um what his um his his name is in in the movie and his and his wife um basically run a traveling puppet show and they're trying to get discovered by agents to get taken to the big smoke and it's quite it's, it's funny the way they do it actually because it's clearly supposed to be set in england um in in you know the sort of probably 15th uh, the like 14th or 15th century um probably maybe a little bit later than that actually mm-hmm. but sometime in like the sort of high high medieval or like early renaissance period um but they never really name anything so the 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 city is called the big smoke and the town that they live in is called (laughs) seaside which if you know anything about punch and judy obviously like it's it's a it's a staple of uh of seaside resorts in britain and i guess in australia as well i'd like i guess it makes sense that australia would kind of have that in their in their their locker as well given given you know the 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 cultural exchange shall we say that went on between between britain and australia Um, cultural exchange we'll call it that yeah yeah sure um but essentially judy is the brains of the outfit um and she 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 puppeteers and like kind of uh and um oh what's the word like the person who kind of like opens the show and introduces the act um and she's trying to keep punches uh drinking in check um and also his philandering um while caring for their baby and generally being a far better person than him and in a fit of rage um one one night so okay i'm gonna content and maybe slight spoiler warning for this bit but it's important for the setup of the whole movie so she leaves the baby with um punch for about an hour to go out and run errands uh punch only eats sausages throughout this entire movie by the way like every meal he has he demands sausages uh so she she leaves him eating his sausages at breakfast leaves him with the baby for an hour um the baby never gets named and it'll be clear clear why in a second um and he the 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 baby goes missing because the dog um that is um in in this like really like old rundown but very big house that they live in uh steals his sausages he catches up with the baby um and while he's like chasing the dog for sausages accidentally drops the baby out of a top floor window (laughs) the baby dies um judy comes back is obviously a little bit annoyed about this and uh punch beats her to death or thinks he's beaten her to death and basically that's like the opening opening 15 minutes of the movie and it sets up what is essentially a revenge thriller where judy is is discovered by a group of outcasts um in the in the woods and plots her revenge on punch while he tries to get his show back back on uh on on well tries to replace her basically and get his, get his show running again um but it's this it's this really good like kind of it's incredibly dark it's not fantasy but it's kind of like very low medieval fantasy so it's and and, and it, it's pulling from lots of different sources so the score particularly strike uh, struck me because that like the opening uh, sequence of them puppeteering the show 
um, is scored with this like kind of electro version of Bach's Toccata and Fugue, and there's a lot of Bach in it. But it's like got a kind of thumping bass line, and it's it's like really really striking. And and, and Bach's air gets the same treatment later in um, later in the uh, later in the film, um, and it has one of the funniest scripts that I have come across for some time. Like so. Anthony, you're a fan. You're a fan of good jokes. So I'm just gonna, yeah. I'd like, I'm gonna reel off a couple here. When, when Judy, before she leaves the baby with Punch, she, uh, she says, oh, "I need to change the baby." And Punch responds with a great line that I'm definitely gonna steal if I ever have children, which is, "Make sure you get a better one." I never like that one anyway, which is oh, a great line. Um, and it's it's very very darkly funny. There's a lot of lot of really funny lines in it. So it opens or oh, uh, shortly after the the opening um, puppet show sequence, um, there is what I think is a little lot nod to Monty Python's Life of Brian, uh, where they're having a stoning of a woman accused of being a witch, um, and you have got everyone like kind of wishing each other a happy stoning day. Um, and and there's a there's an actor I believe he's an Australian actor. I think everyone in this is Australian, uh, played by Tom Budge, um, and is he, he's come this kind of like Puritan style uh, guys organising the stoning called Mr Budge, and he's so funny. But um, yeah, it, it's um, Amir Wazakowska and Damon Harriman are the stars of this, and they are incredibly funny too. Um, I was just about to say, I didn't think Damon Harriman would ever play someone who was more maniacal than Charlie Manson, but it seems like he has. Yeah, he, yeah. This is and like <laughs> I, I, when I was watching this, I was like, God, like I didn't think this guy who played Charlie Manson in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood had this in him, but he does. And Mindhunter, he plays Charlie yeah, Manson and, and in both. Yeah, that, that is mental. Yeah, but he's he's so funny in this. Like funny in a way that you're like constantly rooting against him, but um, you kind of can't help but laugh at some of the stuff he says. So like they have all the characters in this have amazing names, by the way. So they've got like this old man who's supposed to be their servant, but he's kind of um, an invalid at this point called um, called Scaramouche. <laughs> And um, and uh, at one point, Punch gets drunk, and when Judy accosts him about it, he he describes Scaramouche as like an evil wizard that forced him to to drink. Uh, Listen, and, like if you have a character named Scaramouche, you're expecting Bohemian Rhapsody at some point. Well, there's loads. Yeah, there's a load of weird references to modern music. So that like the, the group of outcasts and like accused witches that Judy falls in with have characters like Doctor Good Time, Sartorial Alice. Um, like and, and and like towards the, I'm not going to say what happens, but at the end of the movie, you get a line from her where she accuses everyone of being dressed like hobo street monkeys since they kicked Sartorial Alice out of town, and then Punch literally line for line quotes the um, father to a murdered daughter, husband to a murdered wife lines from gladiator like literally just quotes that <laughs> i don't understand what they're doing in this movie but it's very very funny um, i, I, I want to ask you a question conrad okay go on does a does a homeless person get beaten up in this um because there are two characters here listed at, at the character name hobo basher I, I mean there are that i i can't say that there is ever like someone who gets like properly beaten up in a kind of clockwork orange kind of way but there's a lot of characters kind of kicking others about and generally being you know rough so it, it could i'm gonna i'm gonna look up who you're looking at but um hobo basher like that just seems to me in a, in a film released in uh 2019 having the word hobo in the character's name <laughs> yeah there's uh yeah there's, I mean there's some there are some absolutely great characters in this. I will say if you if you're going to you have to be in the mood for something very darkly funny to watch this because it's yeah. it is great but as I say there is a baby death in the first 15 <laughs> minutes and it's 
I don't want to. I'm not going to say too much about it, but the way, I, I, I'll say this for it: it's the funniest baby death I've ever seen <laughs> in a movie. <laughs> and that's saying something. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, like it's, I, I never. It's not a sentence I ever thought I would utter, but here we are. Um, so yeah, this there is, is a, a film. I can't remember. I, it's in the. I'm picturing it in my mind, but there is a film where a baby gets punted. I can't oh. think of it right now, but a baby just gets punted away. I, <laughs> I, but I don't even think the baby dies. Is the funny thing? No, I, 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 I'm trying to. I feel like it might be Austin Powers. I feel yeah, like it might be. Like, it's, it might something be like or that. something. But um, yeah, I mean, this is. It's not quite as slapstick as that, but it is the way it's shot and the way it's kind of, the the way there's just silence after it happens is very funny. But um, yeah, so um, and and just just to give credit where it's due, it's Mira Fult, uh who wrote and directed this. Uh, I believe she hasn't done much before, but I'm really looking forward to what she does next because this was brilliant. Okay, excellent. Well, going from one sort of sadistic type <laughs> of humour yep. um, with not much... you know, I, I think uh, that one had a lot of purpose to it. I'm going to go to a sadistic type of humour now which doesn't have a lot of purpose to it. Okay. Um, and, and I said to Conrad before we started, one of my films is really skirting the line of what is a movie, okay? Okay. But I watched it, so I'm going to say... And that is 2010's Jackass 3D. Oh, that counts. That absolutely that count? count. That that, look, those Jackass movies. I I'm, I'm I haven't watched them in a while, but I remember really liking those movies. <laughs> it's not there's not much of a storyline going on. It is literally just a long version of. No, the TV we're gonna show. we need to interrogate the narrative of Jackass 3D. All right, what are what are the what are the themes? I will say that there is uh, like Chris Pontius, Party Boy. Yeah. Uh, when he has his head upside down with little goggly eyes on his chin and he's uh he's dressed like a little warrior and they put scorpions in there and he's come here foul beast <laughs> like there isn't much funnier than that me, um, chris pontius was always uh, chris, chris pontius and ryan dunn were always my favorites in the jackass yeah career, ryan dunn was was one of my favorites um i think i think as a byproduct of ryan dunn being one of my favorites i kind of liked bam majira but i kind of fell off him after a while yeah he's you a, kind of had of... to take bam because he was always in the ryan dunn stuff yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but you get the whole, the, and you know, we will say rest in peace, Ryan Don as well. But, mm, but yeah. um, it's basically just Jackass. If, if you've seen Jackass and you liked it, you probably will revisit it at some point in your life and yeah. think, what the hell was going on in this era? Oh, it's, like, t- it's, it's timeless. Timeless if, classics. That's what this was. If you want to watch an hour and a half or nearly two hours of men looking at the camera saying, this is Jackass, and this is the whatever, and then stapling their ball sack to a wall. This is the film for you, because um, yeah. that's basically all that happens. <laughs> I could never, I could never deal with. So I, I don't know whether it ever made it to other countries, but around that kind of early two thousands, oh, skateboarding, wrestling, and Jackass, and like celebrity deathmatch, which I also loved as well, and South Park as well, kind of era. Jackass, I, I always thought was really funny, and I still think a lot of it's really funny now, to be honest. Um, but we also had like Dirty Sanchez, which I could never get on board with because that yeah. was a lot more of like giving the Welsh, yourself the paper, Welsh one, wasn't the it? Welsh one, yeah, and that was like giving yourself paper cuts and like piercing things. And I was always a bit like, no, I don't like that. I want to see people. I, I I don't mind seeing people getting hurt, but I have a limit to like how badly I want them to be hurt. You know, like I want I want the I think in in Jackass 3D is that the one where they have like the spring loaded boxing glove or hand that like. Swim 
swings around the corner and smacks it's people. Not, in the yeah, face. it's a hand. Yeah, yeah. They start off with that one. Um, that's right. Yeah. So that's always good. That's good fun. Yeah, <laughs> that's you've good, got good you've got wee, your wee man there. He plays that that prank perfectly, actually, because yeah. he's standing there in the doorway and they see him and he's like morning and everyone he says morning to. Then they just get smacked by this huge hand. Yeah. Like he he makes him feel so welcome. And on the last one, I think it was Bam Majira actually, but he goes, <laughs> wee man goes high five. And then as they come through the door, <laughs> smack. Um, it's listen. I don't. They, they literally sat down planning this film, and they're just like, "What if we get hit with a bull?" Yeah, we'll do that. What if we get? Oh, hit is this with one a... the one with Johnny Knoxville and the bull? Yeah, where he's nuts. He's dancing in roller skates. And then... <laughs> <laughs> oh, is yeah? Is this the one? This is uh, unfortunately this is what the analysis of this movie is going to be. Is like, yeah, is oh, this is the this one, the one yeah. with this where they're in the back of a truck having a roller disco? No, that's not this one. Oh, okay, that's so funny. <laughs> um, there is one of the big, like, obviously every Jackass film has a couple of big set piece, uh, you know, ones that obviously they put a lot of real good planning into. Yeah. So Steve-O's one in this, they all sort of have their marquee. Steve-O, who um, at the time was uh, really, really into drugs and alcohol and by his own account was actually off his head most of the time I think he's been sober now for a number of years he has his own podcast as well now Um, now he actually did pierce his butt cheeks together so I didn't really like that one but but that that wasn't in this film though but there was another one there was one his big moment in this was he got put into a porta potty uh, (laughs) connected to two cranes and they've slung him up in the air and it was full of like they've been they've been pooing this on the set for, for weeks and then he just got slopping around in this porta potty, uh, and I don't know how much they're getting paid, but it's not enough. Um, it's it's a it was a weird trip to be honest with you, Conrad. Um, I almost it's almost like I needed your permission to say that I enjoyed it again. No, it's, <laughs> it's like it's it's a like say what you want about Jackass. Like it's not. You know, there isn't really a narrative. There's not really any sort of crazy production, but they found something in that series that was real. I mean, it's just a prank show, I guess. Yeah, it's but a prank, like, yeah. it was also just like a tone that they struck, and you know, it's it was funny at the time, and I, I think it's still funny now. So yeah, absolutely, I think that 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 if if um, you know, like something like the sneeze from 1896 or whatever that is count the 30 second clip counts as a movie then then jackass 3d counts as a fucking movie as far yeah. as i'm concerned and i'll tell you what the prank like pranks like they definitely had their time in the sun sort of all really good pranks have sort of been done now every now and then a, pr- a prank gets me and i'm laughing again but my, my days of enjoying pranks all the time is a kind of in my past now but i will say jackass did it like did they did it properly yeah. Um, like whenever they like these days people get an app with the sound of a hair, hair razor on it and they go up on someone the back of someone's head and everyone's like oh my god you they got you <laughs> he didn't really cut your hair in jackass they literally shave your hair so yeah. <laughs> that's who you're dealing with here yeah. um, now I will say what, I'll just end on this my because like, I could just go through every one of them right <laughs> and there definitely what there definitely was st- some stuff in there that did make did make me properly you know, I didn't gag at all, but there was things I just didn't want to really. Any, watch. Anything with Aaron McGee was always like, nope, yeah. I'm not watching this because his stuff yeah, always has something to do with vomit. But, but like, I didn't really like 
I, I don't like the stuff where Preston, like the big guy, is cycling covered in cling film, and then Steve-O drinks his sweat. I don't like that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> like, that's, that's, no, that's, 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 what no are, what are you doing at that point? That's, you know, but the, the, the funniest one for me, Bam Margera is always playing pranks on his parents, right? So the funniest one for me was Chris Pontius dressed up as a gorilla and went into their hotel, their hotel room and uh, they, they came in obviously they knew it was going to be like a prank but this, they think it's a real gorilla and he's going like oh, oh, oh. he's like going mad <laughs> and then this guy who's like an actor comes in as a trainer and he's like settle down settle down yeah. and this is what really made it my favourite right because Bam Majira and Ryan Dunn came and got the parents April and uh, Phil brought them out and were like oh my god sorry they told us it was tame they told us it was tame <laughs> So they're 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 letting they're like they're letting them in on the trick, but they're not actually. They're telling that it was meant to be a tame gorilla who's gone mad. Yeah. So Chris Pontius and Bullard burst through the door again and gone mad. It's just so funny. I mean, the, the, I don't blame them for reacting that way because there is a, in one of these movies they put a live alligator in like yeah, uh, Bam Margera's parents' house. So it's like at that point, I feel like they're justified in reacting that way but that yeah that's great stuff but i will, um, I will say jackass 4 coming 2021 apparently um that's gonna be that's gonna go one or two ways like, <laughs> like jackass like, 3 was already men pushing 40 yeah uh, like it, we're gonna be watching 50 year old men doing this i don't yeah, know if i'm gonna be on board for this uh, it's, it's either gonna be very funny or very sad yeah <laughs> like, i know bam majira was meant to be in it but i think he's going through a lot of issues at the minute um and okay. he was actually ha- he was actually having to have like urine tests and stuff on set to show that he wasn't drinking and things and i think yeah. that he I, I saw a video of him after he, he... I think he's basically been fired from Jackass 4, so he won't be in it. Uh, he's been going through horrible, horrible things since Ryan Dunn's death. And I, I think the men... In, the men as If you're in a Jackass crew and you're actually a functioning human being at this point in your life, the, the, the ones who are have done very well. Let's just say that. Yeah, like I, I get the impression that they were pretty hard living at that point. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I if, if they've made it to their 50s in one piece they've done well but i'd be surprised i think johnny knoxville did but he somehow because he always took like the absolute hardest hits even in jackass 3 i remember going to see it in the cinema thinking ah johnny won't be doing much because he's got a film career now yeah uh, and then he was taking the hardest things still it's mental dropping buildings on himself in i 100 expect when when jackass 4 comes out i 100 percent expect even though he's like 50 years old and he's got a film career <laughs> He's going to be doing the mental, the mentalist shit out of any of them. Yeah, no, he 100% will do. Um, I will be there for it. I'll still be there. <laughs> I'm not going to lie and pretend that I'm highbrow because I'm just not. Um, but that's great. Okay, well, that's that's a lovely a lovely uh, surprise <laughs> for, for, for this, this week's episode of The Movie Diary. I'm really pleased that we finally got a chance to discuss a comedy classic like that. Um <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot slightly, but I'm, we're gonna stay in the general ballpark of comedy. But this is back into back into narrative land, I think. Um, mm-hmm. With one of I don't know if I'm gonna call this one of my favourite films, but it's certainly a film that I enjoy tremendously and will watch anytime it's on. And this is 1986's uh, Big Trouble in Little China, which is a rewatch for me, a film I've seen I don't even know how many times, but it's it's a John Carpenter movie. Um, 
as as many John Carpenter movies do, it stars Kurt, uh, Kurt Russell, also it's Kim Cattrall, and it's essentially, I mean, I'll, I'll describe the plot, and if it sounds like nonsense, you're absolutely right, but the plot isn't what you're here for, frankly. Um, so trucker Jack Burton, played by Kurt Russell, of course, um, is essentially pulled into a conspiracy involving warring Chinese street gangs, uh, martial arts school conflicts that have lasted for like a thousand years, demons and storm gods, um, when he agrees to go with his friend to pick up uh, his girlfriend at the airport and it's just like i feel like john carpenter basically made the thing and then he made escape from new york and he's like okay i've done horror i've done kind of like this sort of tense actiony thing what if i just did like a proper action movie and we meshed up like eastern fantasy and martial arts and comedy and western action movies into this hodgepodge and it shouldn't really work because it's just this chaotic blend of tropes and genres, but it's a beautiful mess and it's really funny. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really enjoy this movie. I've, I've never seen it before, but I almost had a heart attack there because I looked at the writers and for a second my eyes told me it was Gary Oldman. <laughs> it's Gary Goldman. If, yeah, if Gary Oldman wrote this movie in 1986. He he he, he made a mistake by moving into uh, into acting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this It sounds absolutely off the wall though. Um yeah, I mean, it's. I think it. The, one of the reasons I like this so much is because, like, Kurt Russell as like a kind of action protagonist is like. Bearing in mind this is nineteen eighty six, so this is like peak Reagan era action movies, like Schwarzenegger and uh, and Stallone being like all American or you know obviously Austrian, but kind of playing these like all action kind of American traditional values heroes. And then Kurt yeah. Russell in this or Jack Burton is useless. Like he doesn't actually do anything. He spends the entire movie getting his ass kicked or like knocking himself out and then um his friend played by uh what's dennis dunn um or dennis dun i'm not actually not sure how you pronounce it but he's like essentially his his uh his chinese friend does like all the martial arts and basically bails him out um so like it's kind of a, a play on you know action movie tropes of the time this but is then- kind of a precursor to like shanghai nights i, I mean it has it has a bit of that as well uh, i would say like kurt russell is definitely the sole i would call him the sole lead in a way that okay. like jackie chan more kind of shared um lead duties with you know chris tucker in in, in the rush hour movies and, and aaron wilson in the um in shanghai noon and nights but it's a yeah. similar kind of thing where you've got like a very competent um character and then like the protagonist is just this shitty white guy basically but he's very funny um but the, the thing i love about this movie is the production designs you've got um james hong showing up as lo pan who to this day is one of my favorite villains because he's so creepy looking and and like when when like so lo pan is essentially this like ancient guy who's lived for like a thousand years and can't die um because he's like been cursed by a demon and he has to like find this bride with green eyes um and sacrifice her to this demon in order to uh, ascend to you know the ethereal plane and conquer the universe but like when like so you know james hong at this point he was probably he was maybe 40 but like when he plays his actual physical self he's like this decrepit old guy in like a wheelchair and he hams it up so much in his performance he just makes these horrible little sounds just like and like starts rubbing people with these shaky hands it's gross but i I love him and and victor wong shows up as well who um any any movie in the 80s that required like a kind of slightly crazy asian guy you got victor wong <laughs> like to play that part and he was great in it and also you get these um the three storms who are like these 
I think they're supposed to be gods. I don't really understand. One of them can make himself inflate to massive sizes. Um, one of them is uh, like controls lightning, and well, I can't remember what the other one does. I think one of them must be wind or something like that. But they've got you know like the the big kind of like straw hat, and they're, they're just the design on them is so goddamn cool. Um, but yeah, this is a great movie. I, I love Big Trouble in Little China. As I say, it's a beautiful mess. I can't claim that it's Carpenter's most like coherent or competent movie, but it's definitely one of his most fun. Okay, that sounds very interesting. <laughs> I, I, I think. I think in my mind I'm picturing a different film than I am, but I'm if, if a film I'm picturing in my mind is what it is, I think it's going to be hilarious. Yeah, um, I mean it's, it's one of Kim Cattrall's best movies. I'll say that for her as well. Like she she plays one of the one of the um, uh, plays the romantic lead, I guess, in this, and she she she's kind of like a um, I I think her name's like Susie Law, and she's like a reporter, and she just Gracie Law. Gracie Law, that's it. And yeah, she's like a, a spunky reporter who won't take no for an answer and wants to get the scoop on these Chinese gangs. Um, and 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 then you know, obviously, Kurt Russell, she he, she turns his head, and then he has to go. He has to go trying to save her, and doesn't do a very good job of it, to be honest. <laughs> That sounds but really great. <laughs> he, he says he says one line to her where like when when he and Dennis Doon are like going off to first investigate this um these warring street gangs and she's like oh be careful and 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 he's kind of like you know shrugs it off being all cocky and is like if we're not back in fifteen minutes call the president <laughs> and then they and then they almost drown <laughs> like it's and they're just so incompetent it's brilliant I've but just yeah, had a, really I've funny. just had a severe bit of nostalgia looking at an image of this film uh, yeah Victor Wong. Um, I I knew I'd seen Victor Wong yeah. before, and it's just hit me where I did. The Three Ninjas. Yeah, The Three Ninjas. Victor Wong was in every single one of those goddamn movies. Like, as I'd like, he was also in Tremors as well. Like, he he was he was in a lot of stuff. <laughs> Victor Wong, he really was. And I mean, and and you know, James Hong as well. He played um he played Cassandra's dad in Wayne's World too. That's what I, that's what I know. <laughs> yeah. But, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I know, I know. Yeah, I, I know James Hong. Yeah. I, I honestly, geez, the three ninjas—the one where they go to Japan—that's my favorite. Like, geez, I don't even remember which one that is, to be honest. Three, I think it's three ninjas. The third one. <laughs> there are a lot of those three ninjas. Three movies. ninjas strike back or something. The whole Kogan one's good too. Let's be honest. Is that wait? wait is that the one that's something mountain? Yeah, I can't remember what it's something called. At, something. I think it's like Thunder Mountain. Like the three ninjas Jeez. go to Thunder Mountain uh, or something stupid service, like that. A streaming service better be carrying the three ninjas because that's what I'm watching this. Oh, one. they are they surely a Disney. Surely that's a Disney property by now. That seems Hopefully. like the kind of thing they would have. Yeah, I'd love I'd love to see that. Um, okay, so uh, my next film that I'm going to do, I'm going to be very short on this one, but I did watch it last week. Um, I said that I always watch lots of children's films, and then uh, some, some people in the comments, I think Donnie was one of them, said that I should uh, I should talk about children's films. So if I see a new one that I want to talk about, I'll, I might mention it. You know, um, sometimes it's quite hard when I'm actually looking after kids and stuff to pay <laughs> attention to a film to the point where I want to talk about it. But I did actually watch this one with my son the whole way through. So, and that is Bigfoot Family. Uh, it's on Netflix oh, okay. in the UK currently. Um, now, I wasn't aware when I watched this that it's actually a sequel to 2017's The Son of Bigfoot. Uh, oh, I didn't know that either. It didn't, like, to be honest with you, it didn't play like a sequel at all to me because they did a lot of setup at the beginning. It's almost like they knew no one saw the first one. Yeah, well, that's the impression I got. Like, because I watched like the the Netflix trailer for it, and it's like, I am the son of Bigfoot, la la la, and it's like, okay, yeah, this yeah. this feels like you're setting up setting this up, having not um, having not actually had a a film to do so in, but apparently not. Yeah. So 
basically they can't, I need to watch the first one now well I don't know if I will but I, it, it, it sort of sets it all up in the first two or three minutes it's like I'm the son of Bigfoot I've got big feet I can run really fast yeah. apparently Bigfoots can heal things so basically Bigfoot in this universe is kind of like the Hulk uh, okay. Kind of like the Hulk from Avengers Endgame, actually. He he's always Bigfoot, you know. Um, okay, he can't. And he's he can't, still like, got his change. smarts. No, he can't change. He's still got his smarts. Um, his dad. But what I say he's like the Hulk is because his dad had like a science experiment go wrong and turned into Bigfoot. Oh, so he's not like a natural Bigfoot. Oh, okay. No, there's no natural Bigfoots in this. Because uh, I was wondering why, like, how does he have a son? Why is this normal human woman yeah. not being with Bigfoot? But no, it was, it was her husband before the transformation. Okay, um, that, I, I was gonna. I was wondering why he's got like a weird human face because I I saw the design. And I was like, I do not like that Bigfoot design. That's <laughs> that like sort of. It's like his his face for the for, for the for the audio listeners like the face from like kind of. I'm gonna say the the it, the outer cheek to top of the head is just totally human and then suddenly he's got these big old mutton chops and the rest of him's just covered in in hair well it's basically so, bigfoot with wolverine's head you know yeah it's like he's like of... hunky mat like a 10 percent hunky dad and then the rest just hair man which yeah, i didn't like big feet um <laughs> yeah. so yeah it, it is it, it, okay this is what i'll say about it i'm not gonna talk about it for too long but it doesn't it, it was enjoyable to watch it was enjoyable to watch I, I like you know as a children film goes it was serviceable it wasn't something that i thought was so trash that i was like i'm not letting you watch that again son okay. uh, it wasn't it wasn't so trash it was serviceable as an enjoyable children's film there was a me- there was a message in there as well like they were trying to to uh give a message of nature we need to care for nature less fossil fuels that sort of thing which i'm all for to be honest with you um there was a great cast of animal characters because Bigfoot's can also speak to animals. There was a few different. There was a few laughs in it. I will, what I will say is though, the actual moments of um, like the, the the dramatic moments where you sort of it goes it changes from a wacky cartoon into the moments uh, of drama and where okay. you're meant to empathize with the characters and they have a real sort of those slow slow moments. Yeah. I don't know if it meshed as well. Like, <laughs> if you if you compare it to like a Pixar film, uh, which manages to do comedy, drama, heartbreaking emotion, all, and they they have a formula to the point where they can just do it perfectly. Um, yeah. This was not that. Um, yeah. So that's all I could say about it. like it was it was serviceable, but I wouldn't really recommend uh, watching it as an adult. I think I think it's it's serviceable children's film. I don't think it's one like. It's it's if you like children's films and you sort of like to just be in a world of a children's film, it's very vibrant and colourful. But if you're looking for a film with a bit more of a message and a bit more nuance to it, like a Pixar film or even like a uh, sort of like um, Guillermo del Toro's, what was it called? Shape of Water. No, that's not a children's film. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Which uh, the Day of the Dead film. I can't remember the name, but it's but oh, um, um, not Rango. What's it called? Yeah, well, if you're looking, if about. you're looking for a sort of a, a, a higher quality, more of a message for uh, something that's geared towards every audience, stick to your Pixar's and things like that. This wasn't that. This is a children's film. Listen, when I have children, I'm going to make them watch Fishman having sex with human <laughs> yeah. women. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to leave that till my, my son's at least the, the 12 years old. I don't know what actually. I don't know what the age of that film is. Maybe 15s. Uh, I think it's an 18 because there's like some pretty hardcore. It's not hardcore sex, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, you'd be you know? you'd be surprised these days. You'd be surprised. You see these days. the fish man's penis in it. Like it's a, you know they went. Re- you don't actually, but 
Oh, actually, I will say, now this is really off topic, but I was in the car today while I was driving. I was listening to the stand-up comedy of a Canadian called uh, Stuart Francis. He's a one-line comic uh, talking about... um, Because I also was watching Jackass 3 during my son being up hours, but he wasn't in the room. So every now and then I was like, when he came in, it was at the point where I had to turn the TV off, not pause it, because I could have paused it on an exposed penis. Uh, So just turning the TV off, you know? So he didn't see anything, but... It sort of links in with that um, in terms of you wanting to show your future children a uh, fish penis. This is, um, I was listening to the comic, comic Stuart Francis. My son was sleeping in the back of the car as I was driving to pick my wife up from work. When all of a sudden, Stuart Francis says a joke and he mentions the word penis in the joke. And my sleeping son, all I can hear is him start laughing and say to himself, <laughs> the man has a penis. That's funny, daddy. <laughs> Great. Well, there you go. You've 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 taught him something that will curse you for the rest of your adult life now. Well, that's, or at least that's the next the, ten years. That is the the reason why he knows that word is because that's the word we use. Like people were asking us, like, what word are you going to use for the genitalia? And we were like, uh, how about the words that are actually like the words? Just calls it like I sees it, right? Yeah, I just like you know we're not going you know we're not going <coughs> widdler or something like you know we're going Whittler. we're going we're going with penis. That's that's what it is. That's what we'll do. Well, there you go. He's very grown up. Then he's learned these. He's learned these terms already, and that's fine. He can I listen to Stuart Francis. Yeah, but it's innately funny to him. <laughs> just... I mean, they are funny. Let's be yeah, honest. Like, let's they be are. Yeah. They are pretty funny. Let's um, be <laughs> so I mean, he can watch Jackass then. Yeah, he's pretty, <laughs> like, he's pretty much ready for it. He's, he's already accepted that penises are inherently funny. So now <laughs> he's at the right someone... level for Jackass. Yeah, yeah. two and a half years well, old. Watching Steve-O get nailed in the balls <laughs> by a. <laughs> A mechanical bull or whatever. Like, yeah, just to let you all know, my son will not be watching Jackass. Uh, don't don't report me to child services. That will not be happening. Um, Conrad doesn't have kids yet, so we can talk about his uh, imaginary children all we want. But that won't be happening for me. For the audio listeners, I just winked and tapped my nose at the camera because we all know <laughs> what that's code for. Anyway, we're going to talk about movies again here. Like, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna segue naturally from your kids movie that was a little hand movement there um from from your kids movie to i i guess you'd call this this one that i watched a kids movie and i think a lot of people are talking about this at the moment um it it came out i think a week ago now on uh, on disney plus uh this is raya and the last dragon um which which kind of proves that you're a vpn user because i tell you what i'm not paying 20 quid for this uh well no i i i did i just did like for that one so oh, i actually i that actually me now i would now i really want to because i was it's, like I, I said to eva no one's paying 20 quid for this i'll wait till june but now you've seen it i'm like you've seen no it. i i i basically the way i rationalized i had the exact same reaction i signed up for disney plus and i was like oh watch ryan the last dragon um and then i saw that they were like you had to get the premiere thing and you pay an extra 20 yeah. quid for it i was like for fuck's sake so i went and watched a bunch of wandavision I let it sit for a day, and I was like, you know what? A cinema, if I got tickets for me and my partner, that's about 15 quid. Yeah, I can true. just about justify this. So I ended up doing it. Um, and you regret it? No, I think... I think it's... It, so there are definitely good things about this movie. I think, first thing I'll say, so it's from Disney Animation, so you kind of know what you're getting from that. This is a beautiful movie to look at. Like, it's stunning. It is gorgeous. I love the the the, the like the colourful nature of it, the world they create, the character design. It's all beautiful. And, it, and they, you know, they bring in... I'm not an expert on it, but they bring in a lot of those kind of, like, design elements from, like, Southeast Asia in a really, really interesting way. Um, the plot is essentially... 
there's uh, a young girl called called Raya in this world called uh, Commandra that has basically like it was unified. It split um, after these nameless bad guys called the Droon turned up and basically all the nameless. dragons. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're literally just like amorphous balls of purple stuff. They showed up <laughs> and, and and fucked up the world basically, and all the dragons died um, to to like get rid of them. Um, and uh, the last dragon. Um, the, the the last remaining part of her is this kind of stone called the the soul of Sisu. Sisu is the name of the dragon, um, and the, the the world of Commander like shatters into these like warring human tribes. Raya is from one of them, um, and the story begins with all the tribes kind of coming together for a, a summit where her dad is trying to um, trying to get them to unify because. Uh, you know the world is kind of going to shit with with humanity splintered, um, and unfortunately. They all try and make a play for the Stone of Sisu. It ends up breaking, and the the like world basically returns to the way it was before. But the Drune, um, or returns to the way it doesn't return to anything. It stays the way it was. Everyone's divided, but the Drune return, and it's up to Raya to basically try and re reunify the soul of Sisu, and and also you know uh, reunite the the warring tribes in the process. So it's a pretty straightforward. Disney plot. Um, I Question. Think yeah, go on. I have Googled this, didn't Google it very harsh, hardly, but every Google just asks the question I'm asking and I couldn't find the answer. Is this a musical? No, there's no songs in it at all. Interesting, okay. Uh, it does have a nice score, um, but, uh, but I think... So the the, the the things in Ryan the Last Dragon's favor are, as I've said, the the animation, the the style is gorgeous. Um, some really good like kind of character work, and, and the world building is great. You have like these kind of five distinct regions, and they are very distinct in the way they're presented. So you kind of start off in this almost like post-apocalyptic desert world, um, and uh, then go to this kind of brightly coloured. It's almost like a criminal city, uh, and then to like this this. It's almost like, it's like Venetian kind of pontoon-based islands, uh, set of islands. So that's that's all really cool. And the the lead performances. So um, uh, Kelly Marie Tran, who uh, um, probably our listeners will know as Rose from from the new Star Wars movies. I think that's definitely what I know her from. From the second Star Wars movies, then J.J. Abrams decided that she should be an extra again. <laughs> yeah, the the one line she got in um, in the Last Jedi, Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker. I can never remember. Yeah, which Last Jedi is the one where she had quite a bit. Yeah, Last Jedi, yeah, and then Rise of Skywalker where she got one line or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, so um, that's what I knew her from, but she she plays Raya in this, and she's very good. Uh, Aquafina, um, who I only really know from Crazy Rich Asians, uh, but she plays Sisu and is also really good, demonstrates... Demonstrates some pretty good range, actually, more than I would expect. I believe she's a rapper primarily, um, rather than an, an actress. Aquafina, um, I know her from uh, Jung- uh, Jumanji 2, and okay. she's absolutely hilarious in that. Yeah. Um, let me just say, <laughs> this might be a spoiler, but that film came out a couple of years ago now. So go on. She, you know how in, in, in the new Jumanji films, like they go into the character in the video game. Yes. Let's just say for a time in that film. Danny DeVito is within Aquafina, and she does an unbelievable Danny DeVito impression. Okay, that sounds all that. I've heard that Jumanji Two movie is actually pretty good. Um, I've not seen it. I've only seen the first one, um, but that makes me want to watch it. (laughs) Yeah, it's unbelievable. I might ch- I might have to check that out for next week. See if I can find Jumanji <laughs> 2 somewhere. I'm always on board for Danny DeVito and Aquafina. I feel like I could see the spirit of Frank Reynolds with it, like dwelling within <laughs> yeah, Aquafina, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, ready to be unleashed. But and and she's really funny in this actually as well. Like so, she's definitely she can do comedy. 
but she does have some dramatic chops in this as well. And you also get um, Gemma Chan is, as far as there is an antagonist, she is it. Although it's kind of, it's a bit, she's almost like a lead who just has different, um, well, she is an antagonist in that her motivations are in opposition to the protagonists for most of the movie, but she's not really a bad guy as such. Um, and then you got, you know, got some got some good um, character actors turning up. So Alan Tudyk from... Uh, you know, Firefly uh, yeah. shows up shows up as a little kind of armadillo horse. You know, every Disney animation <laughs> needs a needs a, an adorable pet, and that's what Alan Tudyk is. Uh, he he's like the kind of mount that rolls around. Um, and uh, that's be- that's what made me think it was a musical. The fact that she had a, a, a companion. Yeah. So I mean, is I she a princess technically? Is this she? A she Disney is a princess. princess. Yeah. So her her dad. Um, I mean, it doesn't turn out great for him at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> That's all I'll say. <laughs> but you know, she is that Benja? Get... Is that is that Daniel Day Kim? That is Daniel Day Kim. Yeah, uh, um, from Lost. Which, yeah, from Lost. He and, and he, you know, he he Jin he, Sushi. Yeah, he, t- <laughs> he 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 turns up and then he's he's not in the movie for long. Is all I'll say about all <laughs> Daniel Day Kim um, and Benedict Wong plays another one of the kind of um, the, oh, the, yeah. the another leaders of the groups. So basically, Raya's going around recruiting the leaders, or not even the leaders, recruiting significant people from each of these groups, forming like a motley crew. Um, so she gets the the movie makes the bold choice of um, introducing an adorable baby in the second kind of country that she goes to, and then revealing that the baby is the head of a criminal gang uh run by which also includes a bunch of monkeys which i was very much into to be honest we should have more criminal babies in our in our animations um but um yeah so so there's a lot of fun to be had there i think the problem i had with this movie is that ultimately the moral of the story is only unifying despite our differences can we overcome the problems in the world which i think as a general Mm. moral is one that a lot of people could probably get on board with, particularly, you know, given the current political climate, mm. unifies by our differences. But I think the, the problem I had with it was that it doesn't really ever interrogate why these people are di- divided to begin with. It gets close at a couple of points. Um, there's an interesting uh, line right at the beginning of the movie where uh, Gemma Chan's character um, reveals that her country doesn't have rice anymore so the reason they are trying to steal the soul of sisu for themselves is because their country is kind of agriculturally failing but that's as close as they ever get to it and it's so so it kind of it kind of makes the moral a bit hollow when it's just like we need to unify and forget our differences but it doesn't really ever look at what their differences are or what caused them so it's kind of like yeah it's a nice idea but if you're not really doing the legwork of kind of overcoming the differences in the first place what what does that moral even mean that's uh, really interesting to me that 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 you find that ringing like hollow in the film that's trying to put that across because it the, i find that exact message hollow in real life when people say it yeah because most of the time when people say in real life we need to unify despite our differences what they mean is we need to forget what they've done <laughs> yeah yeah and unify, basically you know what i mean yeah like that's and that is i <laughs> I I I agree with what they're trying to do here, but yeah, I'm very much the same as you. Like when when someone says that, normally what they mean is like, I don't know, can't we all just get along? And it's kind yeah. of like a, it's kind of a, it's a nice idea, but it's kind of not really dealing with the harder issues in favor of saying something which sounds nice. Um, well, and the fact of the matter is, it won't get along. It won't happen unless, as you say, you actually have a look at what the cause of it is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And 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 I think so. So narratively and in terms of like its its themes and the and the story beats it's hitting, it didn't really work for me. It's still it's still a good movie. 
and it's still, as I say, beautiful to look at, some really strong lead performances, so it's still worth seeing, but I... it's not one of their best. I, I think. Uh, okay. I, I, I think that, that when it got to its resolution, without really ever looking at the differences, I was like, okay. I just feel like, I, I feel like you could have ended this movie twenty minutes in. To, to be honest, like, they're just <laughs> once, like Daniel well, Day, if, once Daniel Day Kim's gone, what's the point? Yeah, once Daniel Day Kim's gone, like, come on, guys, for fuck's sake, just you know, just just <laughs> hold hands and say, let's all be friends, and then and then that's that. that the movie will end, and that's essentially kind of the direction it goes in, unfortunately. Okay, fair enough. I think if you had told me it was a musical, I probably would have spent the 20 quid or whatever it is. Uh, nah. it, but if it's not a musical, I'll wait and see it. If it was a musical, I'd want the songs in my head now. If it's but if it's not a musical, I can wait. Um, yeah, I, I, I wonder if it had been improved by music, actually. I'm not, I'm not sure, but it definitely... If it had had good music, that would have probably made me be a bit more forgiving of its narrative failings. Yeah. But unfortunately, here we are. <laughs> Here we are. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Is that is that you done for the week now? No, I've got one more after this. Oh, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, so we'll do mine very quickly then, because we all know what I watched. Well, I say we all know. The one I skipped, of course, is the Incredible Hulk with uh, with uh, y- your man and Edward Norton. Um, I talked last week how I was probably going to. No, skip you skip the. Oh wait, no, hold on. We had this discussion last week. The Eric yeah. Banner ones before Iron Man. You skip the Edward Norton. Did that come out after? Yep. Uh, was that the next one after Iron Man? The Eric Banner one was literally like 2003, uh, but yeah, the uh, the next one after Iron Man, like six months later, was God, that's uh, nuts. That that's the step they took. I mean, obviously, they probably they didn't know how that movie was going to turn out, but it's crazy looking at how like regimented the Marvel movie releases are now or, or were back in you know 2019 when they were really coming out, and looking yeah. at that and being like, that's the movie you 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 follow up Iron Man with. Yeah, exactly. So they followed up Iron Man with the Incredible Hulk. Uh, like, obviously, I don't know what Edward Norton signed a one-picture deal. I think he was very vocal that he didn't want to do any more, and they still like. I'm not going to lie to you. Just the fact that Edward Norton didn't continue, and they sort of pretend like that film doesn't exist. Yeah, kind of. They still have, they 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 bring a couple of characters back every now and then, but they kind of pretend it doesn't exist. To me, makes me not really care about rewatching it. Like yeah. I've seen it, it was okay. I, I just don't think it's important for my wife in terms of watching all of the films. I, no. I, if, if she, I've said to her, if you really want to watch it, we can. If not, we'll go back and watch it one day. But let's 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 twenty four films here. Let's get the blood. Let's get bloody hell through them. You know. Uh, so <laughs> we we watched Iron Man two. Um, I think that it was a very good follow up. To be honest with you, um, yeah. I, th- I I think that um, I like the development of uh, James Rhodes, Don Cheadle obviously playing James Rhodes in this one uh, and sh- sort of showing the, the birth of War Machine. Yeah. Um, I liked, I liked this, this film was basically re- all the repercussions of Tony's actions from his life all the way up to the very end of Iron Man 1 coming back to haunt him. Yeah. So when he, when he lets everyone know that he is Iron Man, obviously he's going to have a target on his back then, uh, which is a really interesting and intriguing thing that the film has done, that, that the Iron Man series did, because before Iron Man at that press conference at the end of the first one comes out and says, I'm Iron Man, and then the film ends, I remember thinking, jeez, I've never seen that before. Like, I've never no. seen a superhero just be like, I don't have, a, I don't have a, a, a secret identity. This is who I am, you know? And I just really love that. And from the get-go, um, MCU was different you know it was different than DC it was different than the old Spider-Man films it was different it, it, this guy was yeah. an egotistical narcissist who wanted everyone to know who he was um, and this film is the repercussions of that it's the repercussions of everyone knowing who he is and it's also the, <laughs> yeah. 
It's also the repercussions of his life as an arms dealer before he decided not to be. Yeah. You know, it would it would have rang very... We've used the word hollow a few times already, but it would have rang very hollow in the Iron Man series if once he said, we're no longer making weapons, for that just to be like the end of... <laughs> end of it. Like, basically, Mickey Rourke uh, plays um, Ivan so- Vanko who is the son of a former partner of Tony Stark's father. Yeah. So he's kind of like the Russian version of Tony Stark, yeah. but his life didn't go very well. Is he called um, Ripcord? I can't remember what he's called in this movie. He's just called Vanko. No, he's got he's got a supervillain name. I'm sure he does. He doesn't have a supervillain name. Uh, maybe they mentioned it on a news report or something. Oh, maybe, like, I know in the comic books he probably has a superhero name but in the film i don't remember him having one uh mickey rourke has some fantastic lines in it he's got a really thick russian accent yeah um which 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 borders on a you know a bit of a kind of like an 80s action movie oh yeah i I remember this being a a, like hammy as fuck russian accent like it's it's on like a a hunt for red october kind of although to be fair sean connery talks in a scottish accent by by like 10 minutes into that movie but um it's just like hello I am yeah, from Russia. Where, where is my bird? You know, <laughs> yeah. he, he, he wants his bird. He gets the wrong bird, but he still grows an attachment to it. Sam Rockwell plays a fantastic Weasley bad oh, guy, Justin yeah. Hammer. Um, interestingly, he is a bad guy in it, but it's one of the one of the only films I've seen of Sam Rockwell where he isn't also a racist. Uh, so yeah, he definitely know. has that in his locker. Sam Rockwell playing like a real scumbag racist guy. <laughs> like, Sam Rockwell is one of the only actors I've ever watched. That's ma- like, for example, in Three Billboards, that makes you feel empathy towards a very clearly, overtly racist character. It's, <laughs> I don't know how he does it. He does it. Um, it's also the introduction of obviously uh, Scarlett Johansson into the series, and she plays, uh, well, she plays first of all Natalie Rushman. But I don't think I'm spoiling anyone by saying she eventually is Natasha Romanoff, uh, Black Widow. Mm. Um, yeah, and I, th- I think it was a solid, solid follow up. Uh, I think yeah. didn't really do much extra in terms of the. In terms of action, I think it was all a bit sort of stepped up a gear. They had they had they had more more suits. They had some AI stuff going on. They had some really they cool that, effects. They had that Terrence Howard money, so they, could, they yeah they exactly they could, they could step it up a bit. Um, they, they obviously one thing I did notice is that because in the first film they had the real proper Iron Man suit up happen once. Yeah. Um, and in this one they had to have the suit up happen a number of times. He's got a cool moment where he has a briefcase with him and he suits up from the briefcase, which was really cool the first time that happened. Obviously, in the future, in the fir- the future films... Oh, he God, literally- he, he's, he's go, go, getting through yeah. five or six of those in a movie. But yeah, yeah, by the yeah. End of- in the future films, he lit- it all comes from literally a watch because it's yeah. like nano, nano robots or something. <laughs> yeah. But but uh, in this one, it was a big deal. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, my God, it's in a briefcase? Oh, that's so portable. You know, These days, he gets on a watch. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I will say because because he has to suit up a number of times, the actual quality of the uh, anime, uh, the CG uh, effects is not as high actually as the first one in, uh, in Iron Man One. That's interesting because yeah, they haven't gone back they and had to spread this. it out. They had to spread out the the suit up uh, a number of times, whereas in the first one they could put all the budget into one. Yeah, really no, one. I, I I haven't gone back. That's an interesting point actually because I haven't gone back and watched these early Marvel movies basically since they came out. Uh, but I'd never really considered that there would be a noticeable difference between the uh, the animation uh, production uh, values of the animation in the later films compared to these early ones. But I guess yeah, they're like they are literally like a decade apart as well. There's one or two moments like you can really tell whenever Robert Downey Jr. is wearing. The, the practical suit compared to when it's it's just CG 
uh, yeah. model in this second one. You really can tell. Having said that, it doesn't ruin the experience at all. It's it's not like watching um, s- like some films from the '90s where it's literally like what, what what's what's going on here with the you know like like we talked about uh, like even even Free Willy for example, Free Willy Two last week. There was a, there was a scene where the whale jumped out of the water. It was clearly CGI and it just looked terrible. Um, that this <clears throat> wasn't terrible, but you could notice a difference. Anyway, yeah. Iron Man Two, good follow up. I think next week, if we continue, the, if we do actually watch one this week, I think it's going to be Thor. I think that's the next one. Okay. Uh, Mickey Rourke played Whiplash, not Ripcord, but I feel like I was in the right ballpark. But but I, I don't know if they ever, th- ever call him that by name. I feel like I just I don't know. think they do. I don't think they do. Like, Did you finish WandaVision yet? Uh, well, I've watched episode eight of WandaVision, so I was very okay, happy, so you I know what very I mean, happy with that. Yeah, you know what I mean, like so. Oh so, yeah, that blew. I'm not going to spoil it. Don't worry, listeners. But that blew my mind that that's that that's never been said before. I was kind of yeah. like thinking about like, have they really never said that? But it's got yeah. me very excited for what. As someone with many X Men tattoos, got me very excited for what might be coming in the Marvel universe. Um, I think I think Nick Fury. Is this the first movie he shows up in as well, Samuel L. Jackson, or was he in the end? Yeah. of he was. In I the have end to of be Iron honest Man. with you. I have to be honest with you. These days, Marvel is a well-oiled machine, and they all like it's all planned far in advance of who's popping in where, which yeah. characters are pairing up. Uh, like I think you know, Wanda is going to be in the new Doctor Strange film, which kind of makes sense with what she's been doing in WandaVision. Yeah. Um, in this one, I can understand why John Favreau didn't want to do number three. He quit because there was too much o- oversight from the from above. Nick Fury does seem jammed in here his first he first shows up when iron man is sitting inside of a big donut eating donuts and he just shows up and goes hey i want to talk to you and then then you literally go the first 10 15 minutes of this character being in the thing before you learn his name and it's mentioned in such a throwaway way i just feel like they it's really unlike marvel uh especially in these early times but they were assuming too much knowledge uh from 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 the viewers yeah um so I, I, to be honest with you, Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury in this first first one, I think was quite clunky. Um, they obviously get much better at the integration as they move forward. Yeah, through. that's interesting. Like to kind of look back and be like, oh, they hadn't actually hit their stride at that point because I, yeah, I don't remember him being in this movie that much to be honest. But clearly he was. Um, but cool. Okay. Well, I, I'm. Th- this is actually lined up perfectly for us almost as if we planned it but we didn't but it feels like we did um because my last movie is also a superhero movie i am getting ready that's right folks you heard it here first for the snyder cut by watching i don't know some dc movies i just like <laughs> i basically i hadn't seen this one and i was like i should watch this this is 2018's aquaman oh sorry aquaman. Oh, was i was actually gonna watch this but then i watched jackass 3 instead um <laughs> I, did i make did i make make the right choice conrad um it's no this is i mean this is a good movie i think it's i so it's a weird movie this because it basically it spins a lot of narrative plates it's got a lot of character arcs going on way more than you would expect for a superhero movie way more than it really needs to and i don't think it necessarily nails all of them but i definitely respect the ambition of it it's a little bit too long or actually way too long um for because of that because it's trying to fit in so much stuff so it's, i think it's over two hours long which was mm. for, for what they had here was way too long for me but it's really colorful production design again is um is brilliant i loved looking at it which is not something i say for a lot of dc movies um I think Jason Momoa. I'm a bit. I've got a bit of a soft spot for Jason Momoa, to be honest. Yeah. Like, he makes a lot of bad movies, but god damn it, there's something about him that I really like. Um, yeah. And also, lovely to see 
uh, Tamura Morrison, aka Django Fett, um, <laughs> show up in a movie. There, there is a um, there's a bit at the beginning of this movie. So basically, Aquaman. The story is Nicole Kidman. She's a queen of Atlantis. She she washes up on shore. Tamara Morrison is a lighthouse keeper. Finds her, falls in love with her. They have a baby. Time skip like twenty years forward. Someone comes and gets Nicole Kidman. Is like you're promised to marry someone in Atlantis. Come here. Um, and then um, Aquaman, you know, is is this drunkard who's going around dealing with dealing with sea terrorists who have submarines. Didn't didn't know that was a thing, but it's a I, I love it regardless. Um, and and you know then he has to start taking his heroism seriously from that point on when Atlantis starts threatening the the, the rest of the world. Um, but the the opening scene where Tamara Morrison meets Nicole Kidman is it's obviously you know supposed to happen about twenty years before the events of the movie, so they have to de-age him somehow and they give him hair. Which and I don't I don't like the fact I'm mentioning mentioning him twice in one episode. But you know when they de-age Frank Reynolds by giving him like a terrible wig, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what Tamara Morrison looks <laughs> like. <laughs> it just it is one of the most unsettling things I've ever seen in a superhero <laughs> movie. Um, but uh, but yeah, still great to see him. Lovely to have him in here. Um, and um, yeah, he, I mean he basically looked like a monster in a human suit. But it's got um, I, f- I feel like. This movie, I wonder if they did a lot of this in post-production, but I feel like they saw Thor Ragnarok and they're like, "That's cool, let's do that with DC." Because okay. I feel like the, the the score is very synth-heavy, uh, as I say, very colourful, lots of like laser beams and and you know kind of eighties stuff going on. Not not quite as explicitly as Thor Ragnarok, at least not in you know Thor Ragnarok. Ragnarok had literally the title card was like a, a kind of like a vaporwave album yeah, cover yeah, yeah. to some extent. Um, but um, yeah, there's a lot of cool ideas in it. Like the action scenes are really well shot, which again is not something you can say for every DC movie. A lot of them are messes compared to the Marvel stuff, but I really loved, really loved um, the action scenes in this. And we got some great character actors turning up in it. So Dolph Lundgren shows up. <laughs> it's not to, to carry on the Always Sunny uh, <laughs> in Philadelphia link. What if he can smell crime? He doesn't smell crime in this. He's a prince of another Atlantean kingdom but still i mean maybe he smells crime i don't know it's never it's never <laughs> never asked uh willem dafoe shows up as like a kind of mentor and but patrick warburton plays like the half brother of of um of aquaman and he is he is great he's like a real piece of work and he's a brilliant bad guy patrick and, and, warburton yeah patrick uh, it is patrick pa- warburton right patrick yes. wilson Patrick Wilson, not Patrick Warburton. Patrick Warburton might He's from not, Seinfeld, isn't he? Might be from Seinfeld. <laughs> Patrick Wilson is who I meant. Yeah. Patrick Warburton is uh, plays Elaine's boyfriend in Seinfeld. Uh, oh, let me look up Patrick Putty, Warburton. Putty, just... isn't he? Putty. Uh, he's also in uh, uh, David Spade sitcom. He's also a voice in the B movie. Oh yeah, it's not Patrick Warburton. That Patrick Warburton would have been a great bad guy in this as well. He was the big, the big muscle guy in the Emperor's New Groove, I believe. Like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Frank or whatever. Conk I think he, or he might was he Joe in Family Guy as well. Uh, yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, so that's not who's in this movie. It's Patrick Wilson, <laughs> um, which is 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 interesting I, because I guess he's probably been cast because he was in Insidious, which James Wan, the director, yeah. also directed. And it, it's weird for this to be a James Wan movie because I mean I I like a lot of his stuff. Like Saw was not bad. I really First Saw was Dead, good. Yeah, yeah. I I really like the remake of Dead Silence he made. It's very kind of like mid two thousands kind of cheap horror, but it worked for me. Um, I didn't really like Insidious and The Conjuring very much, but they made a lot of money so what do i know yeah, paint by numbers those ones were yeah um but yeah got he, like patrick wilson shows up in this again he's got like 
I can't really do it for the audio listeners, but his hair is like kind of gelled to a ridge at the back to kind of imply that he's a fish man of some of some <laughs> in some way, um, which I very much enjoyed. Though I don't I don't know if I really agree with the practicalities of that hairstyle. Um, and and I will say this for this movie, it was losing me about the halfway point. But then there's like basically an arena fight sequence between Aquaman and Patrick Wilson's character, and uh, you get Amber Heard turning up in a dress made of jellyfish while a literal octopus plays the drums in the arena and I was like alright I'm back on board with this movie <laughs> like, like I was expecting fucking Sebastian to come out and be like ba 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 like just <laughs> have a great. musical number for it um, before before um, the, the fight to the death um, but yeah it, it is too long probably a little bit over ambitious but I'd rather something be over ambitious like, or fail slightly a- aiming high than than succeed in you know trying to do something really really boring um, mm-hmm. and I think this does it's not a bad movie but um, not not the best superhero movie I've seen either yeah it's it, there's a few things like that stick out to me James Wan for one it's interesting like um, he did uh, one of the Fast and Furious films I know so he's sort he of did, getting yeah. more he's getting more into the action adventure sort of genre because it's, which is strange to me because he's produced a lot of horror he directs a lot of horror he, he kind of feels to me like the Judd Apatow of horror right <laughs> yeah, just a, a steady pair of hands you turn yeah. to James Wan yeah James Wan he's the producer of everything and he's like and he directs as well yeah. um, so very very interesting like as you say uh, I don't know if Jason Momoa can put a, put a foot wrong to be honest with you oh, I will say something yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Obviously, I've talked before about the fact that my wife, Ema, worked on uh, Game of Thrones. And in the big uh, rap party of season eight, um, when Ema, Ema actually got to go to that, uh, so the big rap party of season eight, and there was like all this like, you know, really great, um, re- really, really great uh, you know, spread of food and everything. Yeah. And uh, Ema actually went when she was nine months pregnant. She went, she was oh, four wow. days overdue with our first son. <laughs> um, and she went to the rap party and Bloody she was... Hell. She was standing in line for the uh, for the food, and Jason Momoa came over to get food, and he saw that she was waiting in line, and he went, "Oh no, sorry, sorry, sorry! After you, pregnant lady." And he said, "After you, beautiful pregnant lady." And uh, Ema has not shut up about it since. I mean, I wouldn't <laughs> shut up either, to be yeah. honest. Maybe maybe I should try and disguise myself as a pregnant lady around <laughs> Jason Momoa to see if I can get a compliment from him, because I would. Yeah. I would take that to my grave, a happy man. Um, yeah, so that's what Eva. Eva just immediately texts all of her friends and sisters. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, I mean that that is the right time to do that. To be honest, yeah. that's 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 an at all situation. That like attention, everyone I've ever met. <laughs> I I've been called beautiful by Jason Momoa. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just a, it's a shame with him. I would like him if he. I would like it if he made good movies. Yeah. That's my that's my that's my main complaint about Jason Momoa is like that he you can see why he's cast as a leading man absolutely but just make uh, please make good movies Jason yeah being a Fast and the Furious movie you know they they I mean I'm not sure if I'd call them good but they you know they're at least reasonably well received yeah exactly and I'm interested I'm interested to see when I first I haven't seen this obviously. And when I first saw, I'm looking at the poster here, and I see Amber Heard there, and I'm thinking, well, she got she got one in before she was uh, she was gone, but yep. actually she is cast in the next one, so it seems like her career is still on still going. Yeah, I, I don't really know anything about Amber Heard to be honest. Like she was, she uh, all I know about her is that she was married to Johnny Depp, right? That's where that's what I'm talking about. So yeah. there was a huge thing, and both her and Johnny Depp admitted to basically 
domestic abusing each oh, other. Oh, was that her? Okay, yeah, that's mm. fine. That, yeah, so I know I know what happened to Amber. I think there was a bed and some feces involved, but anyway, we'll move well, on. You know, there but for the grace of God go I. Um, <laughs> but yeah, cool, okay. Well, Is that you done for this week as well? It is, it is. Okay, lovely. Well, just in time. Yeah, a superhero-themed wrap-up for you. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for us uh, here this week on the Best Movie Podcast ever, uh, which leaves us with one simple question to answer as we always do uh which is anthony what is your favorite movie the three ninjas uh i think it's strike back i don't know which one it is but it's the one where they go to japan oh, i'm looking it up three ninjas, the three japan. ninjas anyway they go to japan uh there's colt there's um rocky three ninjas kick back tom tom there's colt rocky and tom tom i haven't thought about these films for about 20 years yeah three ninjas kick back colt rocky and tom 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 uh they go to japan they get new cool outfits. Colt meets a nice a nice Japanese girl. I don't know. How, I, don't know if they, I don't know if they ended up together, but you know. Do you want to guess? I've just I've just looked it up because I I knew I knew the name, but I couldn't quite remember it. Do you want to guess at the name of the one with Hulk Hogan in it? You'll never. The three ninjas. Yeah. I think is it called Thunder Mountain? That, uh, and you're close. Is, but I don't know. I don't, there's a sentence there. I don't know yeah. if it's. A- yeah it's high noon at mega mountain which is a <laughs> hell of a movie name like that is a great movie name yeah These, those movies were terrible but i love them nonetheless oh, they were, I, to be honest with you i don't even know if they're terrible because i haven't seen them since i was literally about well, seven years old they were putting victor Wagner's kids through college because he was in every single <laughs> goddamn one of them my favorite movie is superman returns <laughs> um thank you very much for listening I'm not going to explain that any further thank you very much for listening to the show this week or watching us uh, if you have checked us out on YouTube again it's the Culture Cave please subscribe and give us a like and get involved in the comments down below if if you would be so kind thank you to uh, Nancy Warrett and uh, Jared Ascarit for the use of our theme song you can find links to their stuff down in the link below um, and yeah join us next week for a, another movie diary um, and wait hold on no I need to take this again because I need to throw to Anthony we will see you same time, same place next week for another movie diary. And cut. There you go.